going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose, your fix of DFS information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and as always, I'm joined by the two Jays, Joey and Jared. And gentlemen, we're coming off of a pretty interesting week, a weird week, especially at the top of GPPs, but I'd say a fairly predictable week in terms of the top plays. Everybody was on Julio and the Falcons and Bucks game as they should have been. Um, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, a lot of plays, a lot of chalky plays went off as, as was predicted. So, um, we're going to get into all of that, all of the great week six action on DraftKings. But before we do that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how to support the podcast? You can support the DFS dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS dose. We actually have a giveaway uh, going on right now. We reached a hundred followers, you know, a little under two months, I believe. So, you know, we're growing and you just can go ahead and follow us on there and then retweet the tweet that we have posted about the giveaway. It explains all the details. Um, I don't know, Ben, if you want to talk about that after, but you can also follow us on Instagram at the DFS Dose. We go live every Sunday at noon Eastern. And then you can go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes at the DFS Dose. Yeah, so about the giveaway, what do you guys think about extending it uh, till Wednesday's show? Because we kind of posted it at a weird time. I feel like we didn't really give it enough time to get out there, get enough people involved. So, you know, why don't we why don't we announce the winner on our Wednesday show? Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, our Thursday yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it yeah, at the top so, of the we'll do it at the top of the show on Thursday. Yeah, so if you want a chance to play in a four-man league against the three of us, it'll be a $20 entry, winner takes all, but uh, the listener that we choose will not have to pay a thing. So, you know, free shot at $80. Bucks. All you got to do is beat the three of us in a, in a DraftKings four-man league. Um, we'll randomly select one person who retweets the tweet. Uh, it'll be pinned to the top of our Twitter, and, and uh, yeah, we'll announce it at the top of our Thursday show. So, Check us out at the DFS Dose and retweet that. Give us a follow, and uh, you might get picked. So that'll be pretty cool. Risk-free tournament. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's talk about all of this Week 6 action on DraftKings. Uh, how did you guys do this week? Uh, same old, same old cashing in GPP and not cashing in cash. <laughs> <laughs> Which never makes that, any sense. I feel like that's the story every week. Yeah. I dropped 150 in cash and didn't cash. The cash line in the $25 single entry double up was about 155.7. So that's about pretty average in terms of just a regular cash line, not super high like it was at the beginning of the year and a little bit higher than I actually anticipated. I thought that this was a pretty ugly slate in terms of the games, but a lot of value opened up late in the week that I think made the lineups you know, easier to get a high scoring lineup. But, I mean, relatively surprising, uh, the Bears were super chalky as a defense once Tannehill was announced out, and that busted a lot of people. Yeah, so so what was your guys' – what was the most tilting decision that you guys made this week? What tilted you the most? <sighs> Where to start? Um, I mean, well, just just in terms of mine, I, I cashed – or I actually won in cash and GPPs first time. Nice. Um, actually, I'm four and two in GBP so far in the season. Bad record of one and five, but you know this is the start of winning in cash. I I made the move to just picking the best plays instead of overthinking everything and trying to figure out safe for floor plays that could three x. I just picked the 
the guys that I wanted that I thought had the best matchups and fit the salary, and it worked out. So I think I'm just going to deploy that uh, mindset going forward. But tilting-wise, I mean, in GPP, I, I went and paid for some old bum running backs, uh, Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson, and... Yeah, they busted, so there's that. But I, my GPP lineup still cash, though. So. See, the mistake you made was not paying for Frank Gore. He was the old washed running back you needed to have this week. Yeah, I, uh, Marshawn got 8.9 points. AP got 9.7 points. I mean, Adrian Peterson did have 17 carries for 97 yards, and he averaged 5.7 yards per carry, so that's, like, not a bad game. But, like, he didn't get the bonus. He was three yards off. Um, he didn't get any catches. He didn't get one touchdown. So ended up just being a bad fantasy game. And then Marshawn, I, um, he only had 13 carries. The Raiders were down the entire game. So the the game script just didn't call for him today. Let's talk about the Raiders real quick. Do you think any defense is a must start against them now if they trade amari I mean, cooper i mean no. i mean honestly he, regardless he's injured and Derek carr is injured marshawn isn't a game changer like he used to be neither is jordy nelson jared cook he's good one once every other week <laughs> yeah i mean the raiders are an absolute bad team there's there's no two ways about I, it i don't know what gruden's doing but uh, he better pray it works out. Yeah, uh, they got to buy this next week, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not seeing him on the schedule. So um, I believe we will have a week before we have to make that decision. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely just a team that's going in the complete wrong direction. And when the report this morning came out that Amari Cooper was on the block, it kind of just, to me, uh, much like the report that the Cardinals are interested in shopping Pat P, it's like, these teams are recognizing that they are not contenders and they're looking to the future, as I think both of these teams honestly should. Because what's the point of just being in the middle? Yeah, know? but, yeah. I mean, I can see the Cardinals. But, I mean, Amari Cooper and Carl Joseph are both young, and they're both talented, even though for some reason Amari Cooper can't get open. I mean, Carl Joseph, yeah. Carl Joseph hasn't been playing that well in recent seasons. I still think he's talented. He's young enough still. I think he's only, what, 23 still? Yeah, he's young enough to to be developed still, but he still hasn't been playing really well. What is it, this is his third year, I think. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's twenty five. He's twenty five. Definitely still young enough. Yeah. yeah. Where have I been? He Jesus. was drafted in twenty sixteen. Well, he was just a little bit old coming in because he came in in twenty sixteen. So it's only his third year. He's just a little. He was just yeah. older. Damn. But John Gruden is on on some other on some other stuff. I mean, honestly, they gave him this 10-year contract so he could make the, the roster his own. Like, But then again, just because you're making your own roster doesn't mean that you have to get rid of your best players. They can be the centerpiece of the roster, and then you build around them. Get rid of the, the players that aren't your centerpieces. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. It can't be good for the locker room either. That's common sense, and I think John Gruden likes that. So, Yeah, no doubt. But something you brought up, Joey, I, I need to get this off of my chest here because I'm going to tell you what tilted me the most. And this is maybe like minor because it rarely happens, but DraftKings, please listen to me right here. I've got a message for you. What the hell is the sense of not giving players who hit 200 yards two bonuses? Okay. Now there's an argument out there that you shouldn't give a bonus at all because 100 yards is technically just like an arbitrary number that is randomly picked. And then, you know, why should players get 
extra points for something that's so unpredictable, like reaching a random benchmark. Okay, I get that argument. And if DraftKings wants to get rid of the bonuses entirely, fine, I understand that. But they're not going to do that, and they're going to keep the bonus in. So if you're going to keep the bonus in, at least keep it consistent. Because that would be like saying a running back gets one touchdown, they get six points. Then they get their second touchdown. DraftKings is like, nah, you're good. We already gave you your six points. You don't need another six points. You already got your touchdown points. <laughs> like, no. You get 100 yards, you get your three-point bonus. You get 200 yards, you get the three-point bonus. Okay? What the hell? Why does Todd Gurley have 39.5 points right now and not 42.5 points? Am I missing something? Please tell me. DraftKings, I'm adding you tomorrow with this video. I expect a response, and, and that'll be it, okay? Um, I'll be checking my DMs, and, and we can move on from this. I mean, also, why aren't we making GPPs mainly all single entry? Yeah, and wh- like, where are the guys, kickers? I, 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 I know <laughs> you guys need to make money and all, but damn. People could just max enter 150 lineups into any freaking GPP and one could hit on one hand i think i think it's good for i agree with the, the growth of DraftKings, just because you know one of the things that draws new players into DraftKings is seeing the you know million dollars as an opportunity and they couldn't do that without mass multi-entry because not enough people play but that being said it's like i don't know i just don't think that people who are seriously trying to grind and make money on DraftKings, people who take it as more than just like you know oh, i'm gonna play 20 dollars, try and win a million like if you're grinding and doing research all week and, and trying to really like make some cash on this or if you're like just taking it seriously in any way like the million maker is just a crapshoot tournament yeah. it's like we were joking this morning on our instagram live show which you can see on instagram live every sunday at noon um about playing Brock Osweiler in the Millie Maker because we're like, oh, you know, it's just luck anyways. Just throw Brock in there. Or maybe he'll snap. Fast forward. Who's in the Millie Making winner? Who won, who won a million dollars this week, guys? Brock Osweiler <laughs> and Albert Wilson. Are you kidding me, bro? What is this? Sh-? This is insane. This is it's just insane. It's insane. Brock Osweiler was uh I mean we might as well jump into it. We always talk about players you needed to have to cash highly in GPPs. And this is the ultimate head scratcher with uh Brock Osweiler at 0.4%. He had uh how many how many points did he have exactly? Do you know off 30, the top? 31 points point something. 31 points. Yep. Yeah, 380 yards and three touchdowns. That's a career high for him on 44 pass attempts. He did get his two interceptions, but it didn't matter just because he was so uh, explosive through the air. First of all, that's shocking to see from Brock Osweiler. And second of all, just the balls on you to play Brock Osweiler. Yeah. The balls. You got <laughs> You got to have some balls to put that man in your lineup because he is trash. But you want to know something crazy? Each of his starts, each of his first career starts with the Broncos, Texans, and and Dolphins have gone against the Bears. That's that's wild, right? Oh, and, wow. We're, really? I didn't know that. And he snapped in both games with the Texans and the Broncos against the Bears. Oh, so we're we're just fools for not playing him. Apparently, <laughs> never mind. I take that back. We just and that didn't he see the action today against the Bears with his first career start with the Dolphins. All right, but be real. Do you think? I mean, what are the chances? Do you think that the person who played this 
actually knew that. Do you think they knew that or? I mean, if they knew that, they're a god. Yeah, I mean, if you knew that, you know, props to you. And and in that case, I take back what I said about it being luck because that would be some great knowledge and and great. But, you know, I don't think that was what happened. I think, you know. (laughs) I think they saw that. I think around 1130, you saw Tannehill was inactive and you're like, I'm going to play Brock Osweiler, and you got lucky as hell, son. I know. I know what you did. You're not fooling me. 4,300, right? cheapest quarterback to start, probably. He Wait, was he like, was 40. I didn't know he was 4,300. I might have tossed him in there. Yeah. 4,300 4, 4, at home. You know, they're playing in 100-degree heat, going up against a tough Bears defense where their pass defense isn't as good as the rest of their defense. So he's just like, you know what? I'm going to stack Osweiler and Albert Wilson, and I'm going to get them at under 1% ownership, and I'm going to win a million dollars. That's what he said at 12, 12 p.m. And then you had the money to pay for Gurley, Melvin Gordon, and Julio Jones. Cash. Yeah. Damn. Big facts. Um, and, and, I mean, that was the key, so let's get right into it. I mean, Todd Gurley was 22% owned. He would have been a lot higher owned if it weren't for his 10K price tag. But, I mean, Gurley, just absolute absolute smash play um and he did uh score more than julio jones as i told you guys he would but but you know we don't really have to focus on that yeah, yeah. um uh Gurley had a career day 208 rushing yards two touchdowns almost had a third touchdown uh todd Gurley is just insane absolutely insane and i would be shocked if he didn't have a 10k price tag next week oh he for sure will against the niners it yeah. might even be higher, Damn. honestly. It, honestly, I, w- I would probably expect it to be around like 10.4, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere yeah, around there. I was thinking 10.5, 10.7, easily, easily. That's crazy. Eventually, he's going to hit a point where you can't you can't play him. Um, I mean... You could barely play him this week. I think the only thing that made me comfortable playing him um, just was there was enough value on this slate in particular with some of the tight end options you had uh, with Latavius Murray opening late. Um, but damn, just damn. I mean, if he, if he's like 10.5, 10.7, like, that's a, I don't know, that's man. a lot of salary to, to use for one player. You know, it's hard. Seriously. Hey, maybe we get another Brock Osweiler next week. <laughs> you know, maybe. Honestly, maybe. he didn't even look that bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. So Gurley, obviously super consistent. Let's talk about the other most consistent running back in the NFL. Uh, Melvin Gordon, MG3. Yeah, we all love Melvin. Who doesn't? 18 rushes, 132 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. Just another absolutely dominant performance by Gordon. And, and this dude has just an impeccable ability to score touchdowns. Yeah, he's in, he's insane. Um, He's got nine out of the season now, right? Yeah, I think that's second only to Gurley, who has uh, 11. So they are just dominating in the red zone, the two of them. Yeah. They have no problem with giving him the ball at any moment. The uh the Chargers through the air on the ground. Yeah. Like he's he's going to get the ball if they need it. it. It was Keenan at the end of last year and now it's Melvin. And he's a consistent play at any time, especially if he's around 8500. I mean, what he was 82, right? I think. Yeah, yeah 82. Yeah, like below McCaffrey, like I'll take a touchdown every week over McCaffrey. Who sometimes doesn't even get ten uh, rushes. You would have to think that Gordon is going to be 
I mean, like 9K next week, right? He's got to be at least. I mean, they can't keep him down in this 8K value or else he's just going to be 100% on. I mean, he dropped 30.6 points week one and week two and didn't go over 8,000. That's unbelievable. If if he's sitting at 8,500... I'm playing him over Gurley. Next week, next week won't really matter because they're playing at 9:30 in the morning, Eastern Eastern times. Oh, true. So, I mean, yeah, they don't include those games on the main slate. I'm right? sure the the early no. London games. So I'm sure that price will be like skewed, because like it's either gonna mm-hmm. be it's probably just gonna be insanely high, and yeah. it's not gonna be. A, yeah, I mean, if it's like a captain. Yeah. You know, or a showdown slate, it'll definitely be crazy. And then they're on a buy, so we're not going to get uh, an actual price from Melvin until they go to Seattle Week 9, which I'm sure he'll be around 85, 87. Well, when that time comes, he'll be a great play. Yeah, and then, so, I mean, you can't go wrong with playing Gordon or Gurley every week. They'll probably give you 25-plus every week, no matter what. No matter what matchup. Yeah, they're the modern-day Team Jamma Men. A couple years ago, it was hashtag Team Jamma Men on DraftKings, and it was, you know, fit Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson in your lineup because they were hands and away the best players, you know, yeah. on DraftKings every single week. And, and this year, it's Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. They're just so consistent. Three down backs. They're getting rushing usage. They're getting receiving usage. And most importantly, they're just dominant in the red zone. And they're on good offenses, too. So, um you know, Gurley probably the best offense in the league, and Gordon one of them. So there's just there's no way to to get off of these guys. They're matchup proof. Hundred percent matchup proof. And somebody that is also matchup proof is Adam Thielen. Completely yeah. is matchup proof this season. For sure, put up another amazing showing. Six straight 100 yard games. Eleven for 123 and one. Um, do you guys see Thielen slowing down at any point, or is he on pace to set one of the all-time best receiving seasons in a year? I think he, he gets that because the next best defense he's going to play in the secondary, I mean, I don't even see a good one, to be honest. They play the Jets, the Saints, the Lions. Slay's not going to guard him, so like it's irrelevant. The Bears, mm-hmm. the Packers, I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots. I haven't heard. And then the a matchup I would be afraid to play him in. The Seahawks, yet. the Dolphins, the Lions again, and then the Bears. Like, he's a must-play. He might get, like, if he stays healthy the entire year, he could touch, like, 17, 1,800 yards. They have three Sunday night games in there. Or three night games. I don't know if they're Sunday night. It's just night games. But, yeah, all the other ones, he's at 1 o'clock, ready to shine in your lineup. I mean, he has 712 yards through six games. That's wild. So that's on pace, I'm pretty sure, for around 1,900. He just gets, he just gets like, peppered with targets every week. 12, 13, 19, 12, 10, 15 targets. Hasn't gotten less than six catches in a game. He scored in every game but two. 100 yards in every game, right? Yeah, 100 yards in every game. So you got that bonus. So his floor, his floor right now is 19 points. (laughs) insane speaking of another vikings player that went off here latavius murray um was a late addition to most people's lineups dalvin cook was a surprise inactive this morning uh which put latavius murray in a great spot at home against a terrible run defense in the cardinals and he turned that into 24 rushes for 155 yards and a touchdown that's a career day for him 
But apart from just Latavius Murray and and doing that at 4.7, I thought it was a fairly obvious play. It just speaks to the point of like being able to adjust to late news, which I think is a really important skill in DFS because you know we spend a whole week, especially in NFL, thinking about our plays, getting set in what we like, and then inactives are released an hour and a half before lock, and you have to make a quick decision, and you have to put that information like into the same base of information as everything else you've been ingesting for the last six days. So it's like you have to make a quick decision. And I think if this Latavius Murray news had been out early in the week, he would have been one of the most like highly owned players. He ended up being like 8% owned in the Millie Maker and pretty low owned in cash as well. And I think he was one of the best cash plays. So, I mean, what do you guys think about Latavius this week? Did you play him and, you know, the process of playing him in cash? Like, I mean, what are your thoughts? Start with Joey. I mean... <laughs> well, I didn't play him in anything. I mean, I like when I was making my GPP teams, right? And Delvin Cook was still projected to play. I threw Latavius in in a GPP lineup just, you know, for yeah. some exposure to him just in case um, you know, he would get the workload which they said that he would, right? But I ended up not playing him in anything after some late tweaks. And, you know, he was a great play. I mean, I still cashed. So, I mean, it it still worked out for me. But he was in the best possible matchup. The Cardinals rank last in run defense. Um, And it just goes to show, like, if you get a player that is supposed to play... They get injured in their pregame warm-ups or they re-aggravate an injury. Yeah, for sure. You got to be willing to open up that DraftKings app and go fix your lineup real quick and plug and play them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people played Chris Carson in cash, right? And so for me, like, I was thinking, okay, Chris Carson. Yeah, me. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, mean, like, seriously, Chris Carson, not, not only is he on the road, he's on the road in London. So that's, like, even more jarring for an NFL team to go across, you know, not just country, but across countries. So they went to London, right? They're on the road. Or you could play Latavius Murray for 300 more at home in a better matchup. It's like, you just have to be willing to make those those changes. And I think something else that suppressed Latavius Murray's value is people's recency bias on how he burned them all in the same similar spot against the Bills a couple weeks ago. So everyone was on Latavius Murray uh, for like Latavius Murray chalk week. I think that was week three. Um, Mm. and, And then, you know, he burned everybody, obviously. But, you know, you just can't have fear and you can't have recency bias because last year when Dalvin Cook missed, Latavius Murray was super consistent. So, you know, I'm not gonna let that one game that happened, you know, the most recent, cloud my overall thinking of a player you know what I mean yeah but in terms of Chris Carson the the game script was there Mm -hmm. right the Seahawks were up it just didn't work out for him I felt like both guys were playable I mean Latavius definitely had the better matchup and didn't have to travel with them being at home and um obviously that worked out in his favor but Chris Carson I don't think if you if you played him, in a sense, it wasn't a bad play because he had what was necessary for him to be successful Mm -hmm. this week. It just didn't work out. Yeah, and on that same note, um, from this point out, uh, for the foreseeable future, all Seahawks backs are a full fade. Um, Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Carson 100%. had 14 touches. Davis uh, had six touches. And Penny had nine touches. They finally got Penny involved. Um, but, you know, just in terms of DFS, full fade, all Seahawks backs until this becomes, you know, a less crowded backfield. Uh, what are your thoughts on Latavius, Jared? Um, I didn't want to play him because he's terrible. But against a bad Arizona defense, it was, like, a must-play, especially for his price point. And uh, he, like, yeah. 5X'd almost, probably 4.5X, if you really break it down, I guess. Yeah, he played well. I mean, this is probably the only time I'm ever going to play him because he's bad. I don't know. It worked out. I played him in my cash lineup. Still missed cashing by five points, so thanks, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's tough when injuries injuries hit you. But, yeah. Um. Let's talk about another receiver who's consistent, and that's Julio Jones, and he's consistently not scoring touchdowns. Shocker. Um, Julio Jones uh, went for 27.3 points this week. He was the most owned player by far, uh, 39.5% in the Millie Maker. And, Jared, didn't you say in uh, that double-up he was like 80% or something like 87. that? 87.5 in a double-up I was in. <laughs> oh, my God. That is crazy. Um, it's been a long time, I think, since I've heard, like, just around the industry and, like, on other podcasts and just articles, like, the amount of buzz around Julio Jones was insane this week. Like, everybody who writes or talks about DFS was going crazy over Julio Jones, and that translated into ownership because everybody played him everywhere. Didn't matter. Tournaments, cash, everywhere. And he didn't disappoint. Um, I mean, you know, you can't be mad ever at a game over 25 points. 10 catches for 143 yards, uh, but no touchdowns, no touchdowns. And this is a game where Calvin Ridley exited early. Uh, Sanu also exited before the game was over, and Julio Jones still, still was unable to catch a touchdown. Tevin Coleman caught a receiving touchdown. Uh, Sanu did catch one before he was uh, injured, and Austin Hooper caught one. I mean, And that was it for the run. But you, you uh, can't help if they don't target him in the red zone. Like, they're looking to, like you said, Austin Hooper gets out to the left, breaks a tackle, scores a touchdown. Coleman gets a flat route out of the backfield, not covered, easy touchdown. Sanu broke a 35-yard touchdown. It's kind of things that, if you actually watch the game, Julio can't control, you feel me? If if Matt Ryan doesn't want to target him in those situations – then obviously he's not going to score touchdowns. And when he does get targeted in those kind of situations, they're terrible throws. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, it's no it's no shade to Julio. I don't think that it's about him. He's clearly, very clearly, one of the best wide receivers um, of this era. But it's the Falcons' scheme. It's the way the Falcons play. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, you would need somebody who's smarter about, you know, offensive schemes than me to explain it. But, I mean, I think it's just that they use him in a way that shifts coverage off of these other guys when they get in the red zone. So, I mean, it, it works for them as a team, but it's just known at this point. And, like, people talking themselves into Julio scoring a touchdown, just stop it. Okay, just stop. It's not going to happen. Julio Jones will not score a touchdown. He's going to score like two touchdowns this year, okay? And and so just play him with the expectation that he's going to get over 100 yards, might touch, you know, between 8 and 12 catches. That's good, and be happy with that. If he scores you a touchdown, you know, it's time to just just run out in the streets and riot because this is just – just be happy. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's not going to happen very often, and, and – I'm done trying to predict when it's going to happen because I think it's just more predictable to assume it won't. I mean, 
I would do that all over again. It, play Julio as my number one player all over again. In this matchup, it worked out. It worked out for me. I feel like it worked out for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, he scored 27 points. Yeah, yeah. so so he more than 3x'd. He almost 3.5x'd. So, I mean, yeah. that's this is a game I felt he was going to have, like I said, on the pod, except he obviously didn't score a touchdown. But, like I said that, like if he scores a touchdown, he could go for 40. So, I'm going to do it over and over and over and over again. For sure. And he was in both of the top two uh, milli-making lineups, even at 39.5%. So, you're totally right. It was still a great play. It's just... Just as a as a whole community, as a DFS community, let's just all stop trying to convince ourselves that this is the week Julio's going to score. Like, nah, he's not. He's not going to score a touchdown. <laughs> it's cool. He's still a great player. Not everybody has to be great at everything, all right? Let's all just be happy with what we have. Nah, they just need to throw throw some jump balls to him in the end zone, and then he'll get one. Well, they tried. They tried one deep down the field. Could have had it. It was just a bad throw from Matt Ryan. Yeah, typical. So both of those quarterbacks, we can just talk about quarterbacks for a second here. Um, both of them did very well. Jameis ended up being the better play uh, just for his price tag. At 5.8K on DraftKings, he turned that into 35.9 points, threw for four touchdowns, 395 yards. Just a great game back from Winston. He also had two picks, but that's not really going to kill you on DraftKings uh, when you're putting up those kind of numbers. So Winston, triumphant game back. Matt Ryan uh, is who I played in cash. Uh, certainly a great play as well. Put up 30.46, 3.54 through the air, and three touchdowns as well. Um, you know, obviously, you know, in a point per dollar sense and, and like in hindsight, Winston was the better play for me. I think Matt Ryan was a lot safer. He was at home. He wasn't, you know, coming off of a suspension and being behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I just thought Matt Ryan was a better play in terms of cash, but, uh, Winston obviously worked out. If you did play him, you didn't go wrong. If you played either of them, uh, I assume both of you guys were pretty heavy on, on both of those guys this week. Yeah, they were my two main quarterbacks, uh, Winston and Matt Ryan. Actually, I actually played Winston in cash and, and Matt Ryan in my GPPs. But I just want to talk about the Falcons' defense for a second. Um, yeah. Peyton Barber scored 20 points against the Falcons. He caught a receiving touchdown towards the end of the game, uh, boosted his game. But this is now six straight weeks in which the Falcons' defense has allowed a running back on the opposing team to score over 20 points on DraftKings. Next week, they play Saquon Barkley. That game isn't on the main slate, is it? It's Monday night, but I mean, oh, we're gonna go right back. Showdown. We're gonna go right back to it, like me and Bad did the other day, and we're putting Saquon in the captain spot and then just loading up on Falcons. That's what we did on Thursday night, and we cashed pretty well. We. Played Saquon and then loaded up on Eagles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we ended up having the same uh, exact lineup in the in the showdown slate. We didn't plan it. We just literally ended up at the same spot with with Barkley and the captain and uh, everything else just fell into place. But yeah, Saquon put up like what like sixty one points or something like that in the captain spot for yeah, this Thursday it was game. Ridiculous. Just absolutely insane. And he just missed a receiving bonus too by a yard. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was tilting. But, yeah, the Falcons' defense is, is bad. So you're you're going to have to target their defense all year in DFS. And then also another defense to target is definitely the Broncos' running defense. 
uh, two straight 200-yard rushers. Uh, they gave up 200 yards of Crowell, 200 yards of Gurley, and that's a matchup that we, we have to exploit in future weeks. Yeah, no doubt. The Broncos, um, as good of a pass rush. It's, it's weird because they have a good pass rush, but not a good run defense. I mean, they're different things, but it's just weird that they have – all those guys in their front seven, like Chubb had a monster game this week. I think he had three sacks on on Goff. Um, Von Miller, obviously, we know what he can do, but they can't stop the run. So that's going to be interesting Thursday night. Cardinals uh, are hosting the Broncos. David Johnson at home. Are, are we going to go there for the for the showdown slate? Yeah. Kind of. It's going to be if I right off the bat, if I was playing right now and I had to make a lineup, it'd be DJ Christian Kirk, and then. Broncos defense, probably Sanders. What's it, five spots or six spots? Can't remember off the top of my six. head. Six. And then um, yeah. Case Keenum and probably Sutton with DJ in the captain spot. Yeah, we'll have to see uh, how the prices shake out. For There's that. your winner, guys. Um, speaking of David Johnson, um, David Johnson, another week where he basically was not good but got a touchdown, so it saved him. Um David Johnson, 18 rushes for 55 yards, just an abysmal uh, yards per carry. Only two catches for 15 yards receiving. Again, the the coaching staff of the Cardinals clearly incompetent in, in getting their best offensive player the ball. Uh, like I said, one touchdown on the ground that salvaged his day. So we'll have to see how that works with the Broncos. It's like, I don't know, a matchup between a bad coaching staff and a bad run defense. Like, can they finally do the right thing and get David Johnson out there producing like he should be i don't know we'll see we will see where else do you guys want to go here we could talk about let's see oh you know what but just before we completely get past that uh falcons and bucks game the receivers on the buck side oh um, oh my god now that you Win- mentioned winston that. Sp- <laughs> yeah winston spread it around so it kind of like hurt you if you went heavy on just one guy none of them really exploded Godwin ended up being the best play, but not because he had like a monster game or anything. He was just the lowest price tag and he scored a touchdown. So it worked out, but um, only 17.6 points. And that was the best, uh, best bucks receiving play on the board. Joey, just going back like to what tilted us dude. Mike Evans. So in my cash, I kind of went, you know, I like both Mike Evans and Julio. So I'm going to fit them both in my cash lineup. So I played both of them with Melvin Gordon. So, you know, that's a solid core. But Mike Evans just had a total bust game. Um, He scored, I believe, eight points. Um, yeah, it went four for 58. All right, yeah, so nine points. Um, So tilting, man. Bright got a touchdown. Howard got a touchdown. Godwin got a touchdown. I mean, I did play Godwin. Uh, in my lineups as well so that I I mean it kind of worked out but you you would just think that Evans would snap against that secondary yeah I definitely thought Evans was going to be the move he has the most like rapport with Winston um but really everyone was pretty much yeah like you said that uh those guys scored a touchdown Howard Bray and Godwin Evans went four for 58 Djax went four for 77 Humphreys went three for 82 I think um Howard had four catches like Winston just spread the ball around, which, yeah. you know, if you're a Bucks fan, that's good. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of like what you want to see out of your quarterback. But f- for fantasy, you want to see 
something else completely. You want to see like a consolidated target share like we have with the Vikings where you just know it's going to Thielen and Diggs every week or or like, I don't know, what's another team that does that? I don't know. Like the Bengals where it's going to go to Boyd and Green. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. But um, let's talk about, well, we could talk about Boyd real quick because um, I don't know, Joey, you was coming at me. You said that was a luck play. I'm like, what no, do you mean luck, bro? Luck I thought he's one of the best plays on the board. He scored. I said that your plays were good, but them all scoring touchdowns at the end of their games is luck. Yeah, my, my whole slate switched in like the last few minutes of the 1 p.m. games when Chester Rogers salvaged his day, Tyler Boyd got a second touchdown, and uh, Njoku got that garbage time touchdown. That literally swung my whole day. I was so happy in that like five minutes. That all happened back to back to back. But I mean, Boyd, seven uh, catches on his nine targets, 62 yards and two touchdowns. Super clutch that first touchdown, especially. They were throwing at like the two yard line yeah. on third down. I for sure thought that was going to be a mix and touchdown, just little out route to Boyd. I was, I was super hype about that. Makes super sense. clutch by Andy Dalton. It's so tilting when you have like a running back on a team and then they start throwing it on second and one from the one yard line that yeah that might annoy me the most out of anything when watching uh football it goes both ways though because like i was bro i can't tell you how tilted i was in my gpp lineup um my best gpp lineup had uh Juju Smith Schuster in it, and when he got that, like, did you see the yeah. catch he had where he basically his like helmet. rolled over the dude? I swear, yeah, he got ruled down by his helmet at the one yard line. I'm like, man, that could that was tilting, and then obviously the next play, James Conner just walks in for the touchdown. Like, yeah, that was tilting. I had so, Juju as um, well in my GPPs, and he had a good game. It could have even been better if he would have got that extra six points right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, what it, do you have Juju's numbers up in front of you specifically? Yeah, um, actually, I do. So he went for seven catches on 10 targets, 111 yards, 23.1 points. Yeah, another good week out of Juju. Um, He had sort of a down week last week, and the week before only had four catches on 11 targets. So um, if there was any concern out there in terms of like Juju just being a great play, I think we can put that to rest. He's he's a great player. He's a great wide receiver. Yeah. Um, just a couple down weeks, I but mean, still one of the most efficient uh, red zone targets in the NFL and just clearly explosive. Antonio Brown salvaged his day as well with that late touchdown to seal the game. The Bengals yeah, can't beat the Steelers. Heartbreaker if for you're some a Bengals reason. fan. Yeah. No, the Bengals can't beat the Steelers. Yo, what did all. Um, they just choke. No. What did Big Ben score? Do you know? He actually had a pretty decent uh game considering he was on the road he he does well in cincinnati he had 369 yards and one touchdown and the two point right yeah and the two and point. the two point you know, yeah what does that could have been to? could have been better if what that, does that translate to like 20 24 24.5 yeah. yeah not good enough for what he was priced at yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to stick with mm-hmm. as long as Big Ben is on the Steelers, I'm playing James Conner on the road. And I don't know why I didn't do it this week, probably because I want to pay for Julio. But he is a must-play. James Conner is a must-play on the road. Just because how much they statistically run it on the road. I mean, yeah, until they they have a bye this week and then Lev's coming back, right? Yeah, then I'll just play Lev. Supposedly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, supposedly, seriously, they said today that they haven't, yeah, they haven't heard from him at all. So it's like still, you know, speculation. Although, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Le'Veon and James Conner tweeting back and forth today, like friendly. So 
I don't know. That's probably maybe a good they're getting sign. ready to mend fences. Yeah, like Le'Veon Bell tweeted during the game, like some about how James Conner is good, and then Conner just retweeted him and was like, "Yeah, because I'm watching Le'Veon Bell tape." Like, oh, that's cute. You guys are, <laughs> you know, friends again. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So Conner, obviously, he put up 31 something points again. Great play as he has been. And yeah, Jared, you called it on the road. Got to look to Connor. I should have done. I should have played more Connor too. I was I was on him and I kind of got off of him and that was one of my regrets this week because I had him in some of my lineups and I took him out this I, morning. Should have. I feel like there. Vance McDonald and Connor will be good road plays for. I just feel like Big Ben doesn't take as many shots on the road. That's what I just get from watching him. Like they're just more safe on the road. I feel like. Hmm. So like. It's a fair assessment. So like. Vance McDonald. Um, I mean, AB is always a great play because he always works the middle very well. But like when his price is super high, like today wasn't 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 too bad. But he he never has a good game against Cincinnati, really. Yeah, they've they held him to under a hundred yards for like the last six games. I yeah, think. Yeah, like he salvaged that with a touchdown, like like you guys said. But uh, I wouldn't look towards a AB too much unless his price goes down, which it never will. Like, his price, I don't care if he has four straight games with two catches for 30 yards. He's still going to be over 85. But um, mm-hmm. you have to look towards James Conner or if or if and when Levin comes back. Vance McDonald will never be over, like, 4,000, so you could always look his way on the road. Um, Juju's matchup proof also, no matter how bad Ben does. He's What did he score today? You guys said, like, 20, 23? 21. 21 for so he 3x it's just big ben on the road it's always i always look towards running back tight end now that they have mcdonald i mean before i wasn't ever looking at jesse james yeah i agree um i think lev will come back week eight and then i still expect james connor to to still have a role just because what he's shown this season that he's capable of of like being a good player in that system but you know we should expect Lev to come back and dominate, as usual. If I was a Steelers, I'd trade him straight up. Not yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, for sure. Serious, because like, do you really see him there after this year if he comes back and plays well? Like, no. I think there's a zero percent so, chance. There's too much bad blood. So at this what's point. the point of benching someone who's playing insanely well for you right now? I, I don't think that there's any chance in hell that they bench him. I think that he will obviously get his role reduced. His pass game role will probably go down to zero, but I think that well, I mean, James Conner will probably still get touches inside the 5 and the 10, and I think that he'll probably get like 10 touches That's per game. benching to me. And I think Le'Veon Bell will be ha- well, Le'Veon Bell will probably be happy with that because his thing is that he doesn't want to get a bunch of workload and damage his body for the next team. So it's like ideally – Nah, that nah. I mean, it makes sense for both of them, honestly. Like, if they're not gonna guarantee his future, then nah, he, dog. he should. Nah, Bell know? needs to suck it up. If he wants all that money that he wants to get paid, you need to get thirty touches a game, straight up. Yeah, but he's not gonna get that money from the Steelers. So why should he destroy his body for the next team when the Steelers aren't gonna give him then the money? He, exactly. They just need yeah. to trade him. Like, I think they're handling it wrong. They just need to trade him. Just get what you can for him. Send him to the Jets for a second or a first or whatever they they offered. Just get rid of him. Well, they're definitely handling it wrong because they're going to lose him and they're not going to get anything, whereas they could lose him and get something. We said that weeks ago on this podcast, though, is that they need to 
do one thing or the other because this isn't helping anybody yeah, then right now. James Conner is a good running back, straight up. And then with the offense with Big Ben, James Conner, A.B., Juju, Vance McDonald is is solid. That's a good offense. Like, that's fine. Anybody can work with that. Like, you don't need love in that offense. James Conner can do... He could do well enough to where a Le'Veon Bell absence doesn't matter. And they've shown it this year. They're still putting up numbers. But if Le'Veon Bell was there, I don't think they lose any of those games that they've lost. Or tied. They tied the first week. That's the difference. Yeah, but... Because he's a complete difference maker. I mean, here's my thing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um... If you're going to lose him after this year, why not get something for him? No, yeah, that's that's exactly exactly the argument. But just as Ben was saying, why should he damage his body for a team that doesn't want to pay him? When he's, sh- <clears throat> he's shown that he can handle 30 touches a game and still be the best running back in the league, you know? Yeah, I feel you. That's why I agree with that's why I agree with him holding out. There's like feelings involved, which is why this isn't going well. Like the Steelers are bitter right now. I feel like Lev wanted to get paid by them, but they don't want to pay him, so he like he's salty and just it's all around like turning ugly. Like Yeah. I'll be happy next year when Le'Veon Bell is playing because he's one of my favorite players. Probably my favorite player just to watch in the NFL. Cause like he makes everyone look like they're in slow motion around him. I just I love watching Le'Veon Bell run. Such a unique running style. And it's yeah, just like honestly. I'm sad to not have that in the NFL this year in his prime. So How about them Cowboys though? They smacked Jacksonville. Holy <laughs> shit. 40 to 7. How about Cole Beasley, White Lightning, out there getting <laughs> nine receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns? Who saw that one coming? Who who saw Dak having actually a good game against this Jacks um, defense that is like so, so big and bad, you know? Yeah, who thought Dak was an absolute trash? That's crazy. Me, I, did. um, I didn't think he was trash. <laughs> No, I know, I know. That's your boy. I know you You must have been hyped when you saw that Gallup touchdown. That's like both of your preseason yeah, boys. Dude. Yeah. Finally linking week six. Big Let's second go. half. <laughs> Cole, Cole Beasley had 101 out of Dak's 183 passing yards, so he had a really good game. And yeah. Zeke, just going back to Zeke, he had 24 carries, 106 yards, and one touchdown. And I, I think I agree with you guys. I think he's the best pure runner. Let's talk about someone who doesn't get touchdown runs at all. Jordan Howard oh my is God, taking a real dude. step back this year. He's seriously regressing at a crazy level on an offense that is actually taking a leap forward. It's pretty weird. So Jordan Howard had 14 attempts for 69 yards uh, and no touchdowns. Again, no touchdowns. He fumbled at the Jared, one Jared, I know you played. Yeah, he did He did fumble, but I know Howard was a staple in your lineup this week, Jared. Um, yeah. You want to talk about Howard for a minute? Not really. Um... <laughs> I don't know, dude. I put my faith in this man week in and week out. Might be time to cut bait. Yeah, dude. He lets me down. It's like, <laughs> this is going to be a terrible breakup for someone who I should have never had faith in because you know who he plays for. But this is I know. This is why I don't trust... We were all on him, though. Bro, this is why I don't trust anybody from Chicago. <laughs> Honestly. Because this you... stuff happens. From Real quick, let me, let me say one thing. Let me say one thing about Chicago. Trey Burton... Bro, when I see you, it's on site. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm, I'm, I'm. When I see Trey Burton in the streets, I'm gonna hit him with the Leonard Floyd body slam. No joke, no joke, bro. Cause he got that Tariq Cohen. 
touchdown, that beautiful 21-yard touchdown taken back, that was the most tilting, tilting moment of Sunday for me because Cohen, I had Cohen quite a bit, uh, especially in my top GPP lineup, and that would have sent it over the top. So, I mean, just to be taken back by a, I think it was a holding call or maybe it was an illegal block by Trey Burton, that was super tilting. Um, but, yeah, so, pick. I mean, Tariq Cohen – yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a pick? Okay. Yeah, I want to say this about Tariq Cohen because I know we're going to transition to that. Is he a must-play in GPPs every week now? He's probably one of the most explosive players in the NFL. They called him, Matt Nagy, formerly of the Chiefs, called him the Tyreek Hill of the Bears offense, and that makes sense because he's just so fast and so like explosive when he gets the ball. And it was a mystery to me that he wasn't getting the ball, especially in the receiving game for the first um four weeks of the season or three weeks of the season and now they're finally doing it he got a bunch of targets last week he had nine targets this week turned it into seven catches for uh, 90 yards he also had five carries for 31 and a touchdown on the ground so it's like Cohen is becoming the more consistent and more explosive back um dog I knew it was coming too I knew it was coming that's why I tried to trade for him from you in in the league I knew it was yeah. coming. I knew it was just a matter of time before they finally gave their most explosive player on the whole team um, the touches he deserves. Because last year they got away from it for whatever reason. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Let's see who else. That's pretty much everybody on my list. Oh, except for uh, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, okay. Four catches on, I think, ten targets last week. Two catches on nine targets this week. Um, meanwhile, we see David and Joku getting 12 targets, caught seven of them for 55 and a touch. Even though the touch was in garbage time, he is uh, pacing the Browns and targets for the second straight week. David and Joku has 30 targets over Baker Mayfield's, you know, I mean, I guess his two, st- wait, two starts or three starts? Three starts. Was it three? I guess. I guess it was, no, it was two in like most of the third game with uh, game Memphis, yeah, yeah. that Jets game. So, so yeah, I mean, but 30, uh, 30 targets over the last three weeks for David and Joku. And next week he's going up against uh, the Bucks. So that's an awesome matchup for Njoku. But I mean, do you guys think that Njoku is the premier option in this offense now? Or will Landry bounce back? Landry's got to bounce be. back. It's got to be, it's got to, well, I don't know. He loves Njoku. He loved him in the preseason, too. I mean, Njoku was a first-round pick, and it's not crazy that he struggled in his rookie year in a bad offense with bad quarterbacks. So, like, Njoku definitely could develop into a top-tier tight end. I mean, he he's super athletic. He's explosive. And, you know, it makes sense. Rookie quarterbacks often look to their tight ends as sort of a safety blanket. So I think Njoku sets up really well for the rest of the season. I'm kind of surprised that Landry is, you know, not doing as well. But I think... You know, he practiced all offseason with Tyrod Taylor, and I don't think they were expecting to make the switch to Baker so soon. So it's like maybe they just need to work on their chemistry. I mean, I think it's well proven that Jarvis Landry is a great wide receiver in the NFL, super consistent, great hands, you know, type guy. So, I mean, they should work this out, right? Yeah, I mean, eventually. Honestly, I would also attribute it to, be, to Baker not being that good right now. We all know that he has talent and. Um, he's won them two games. Honestly, he just hasn't been good. He's flashed, though. He's been accurate. It's just, like, not putting it all together yet. Yeah, exactly. And as long as that, as long as that's happening, I'm not going to play Landry anywhere. 
So Interestingly enough, right, Josh Rosen looks the worst out of the quarterbacks from the first round, not counting Lamar Jackson because we haven't really seen anything out of him. But, I mean, Sam Darnold also not playing perfect. Him and Mayfield are both making mistakes, but they're also flashing things that show you why they were both picked in the top three. Like, I don't think either of the Jets or Browns will be upset that they made those picks, you know? I think both of those guys are going to pan out. And Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen actually... I mean, I don't know how much of that game you guys caught, but to me, Allen makes plays. And I think that Allen, much like, you know, Goff in his rookie year, Wentz in his rookie year, like, I think that Allen, once he gets better surrounding talent, will be able to take that leap. Allen looks really good. He got hurt in this game, replaced by Peterman, and then they just let Peterman ride for the rest of the game. But, like, once they get some offensive weapons out there, I, I like Allen's upside. I like I like most of this rookie class, to be honest, at quarterback. Josh Allen is trash. I'm nah, sorry. man, you should have seen this one play. He he looks like Cam Newton out there at some points, and you what? really can't Wait, blame what? him. Like what? there was a, what you said. It looks like he Cam looks Newton? like Cam. Yes, he looks like Cam Newton out there at some points. Jeez, all right. Watch this dude run through linebackers. Seriously. I mean, that's not going to last long until he gets popped by someone like... Uh, that's what they said about Cam, bro. That's a, nah, that's still the same, doing it. That's the same thing with, like, Watson. I don't know, dog. I think Peterman's better. You're bugging. <laughs> You're bugging, bro. That's insane. Nate Peterman is by far the worst quarterback in the NFL. Yo, that was so funny. Let's keep this, it real. This dude came down the field, threw a dot to Zay Jones, and then... The Texans came back and tied it, kick it off, and then next drive, pick six. Like, how are you so bad? How could you be the best and the worst thing that happened to that team in the last five minutes? And then they got the ball back again, and then he threw another pick. <laughs> so bad. So bad, dog. Oh, my God. The Bills are the Bills are just trash. I'm sorry. How is he, how is he on an NFL roster? That's that's a question we've been wondering all season. Yo, my boy Sean, like, cut this man. Dude, no. Brandon Bean, like, bro, you've made some solid moves, but you need to get rid of Peterman, dude. If he ever plays another snap on this team, you should be fired straight up. If any team in the league needs to trade for Amari Cooper, it's the Bills. Yeah. Because they've got nothing at wide receiver. And Kelvin Benjamin today, there was a report that, like, Josh Allen was out there pregame and he was like yo calvin let's practice running some routes and calvin's just like nah, nah. like what well, like what that? <laughs> bro that's just insane like you don't want even want to get better at that point you're just a you're just a scrub yeah, you're just get a off the field bonafide scrub no doubt damn that's how y'all feel about my son yeah <laughs> i think we covered every game besides the ravens game the ravens won 21 to 0 not much not much fantasy action out of there besides maybe michael crabtree and alex collins John Brown disappointed again. Yeah, that hurt. Ravens me. defense was probably one of the best plays. They scored 21 points. They set a franchise record with 11 sacks. Gotta feel Yikes. bad for Mariota. Yeah. He's never gonna get healthy if that's the kind of uh, punishment he's taking. Yo, you guys you guys want to know a fun fact about next week? What? Hmm. Todd Gurley's price went down. Oh, the prices are up? To 9800 Hey, $200, $200 discount. And Jared Goff is the highest quarterback at 66 there's only 10 that games on on the slate for next week so should be an interesting slate just looking ahead zach Ertz is 7100 that is insane gpp and, play and guess how much Thielen went up 100 he's only 86 <laughs> 
that's this is going to be an interesting slate um but that's going to be it for us this week you can hear our full breakdown of the upcoming week seven slate on DraftKings on thursday we'll put out a full podcast dedicated to breaking down this slate and with a smaller slate i think we'll be able to go even more in depth than we usually do we'll be covering less games so we can get really deep into these games and just talk about you know every option give you all the information you need to be successful in cash and cash games and gpps um yeah just just play brock osweiler or any mm-hmm. other terrible quarterback if he starts next week and gpps okay and yeah you'll win you'll win a million dollars and that's the kind of advice that you can only get on the DFSDOS yeah. podcast. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. Um, you can follow my personal Twitter at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Guys, tell them where they can find you. My personal Twitter is at Joey Carrion underscore. And mine is at Jared underscore underscore Marcus. All right, guys. We will see you on Thursday. Hope you had a good week. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah.